Welcome to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're blessed by this week's message. Last week, if you weren't here, you missed a great message by our very own Ashley Thompson, who shared, yeah, yes, okay. I never get those types of reactions, so that was, really, that was very good. Uh, so it was an awesome message. If you didn't get a chance to hear it, you should go listen to it. Go on the New Hope website, newhopecom.org. Go to the messages. You can hear it. It was an awesome message. It was basically this worship song that we sang this morning about God being there with us in the fire and that if you trust him, you believe in him, even though it's really hard, you're not going to come out smelling like smoke for what you go through. And that's true. How many have been through hard times, really hard times? And you can look back at it and you're like, I don't even remember how I got through that. It was so overwhelming to me at the time and how I felt it and I was clinging on to God and now I look back at it and it's like a blur. It's almost like God was with you through that whole thing and he gave you the grace that you needed during that time and that season. And now it's like a faint memory, but that's just how God works in our lives. Um, today I want to share, I've called the message Infused with Hope, okay? It's like a good summer message, uh, but it's good. I've never taught on it in the way I am going to do today, uh, but I love the word infused with hope because infused means permeated, right? How many know permeated? It means something's been pouring in. It's been infusing. When you go in for infusion, stuff is pouring into you. So, and I feel like as people of God, we should be those who are infused with hope, right? Amen? Amen. All right, that's an important point I hope we can agree on. Um, I'll tell you, and I was tested in this this week when I was coming up here walking around our facility, and I'm so excited about what God is doing. We're excited about the fall kickoff and all that we have planned for the fall and the work that God has allowed us to be able to do around the facility. And then it was like I felt like I got punched in the stomach as we looked at some of the vandalism that happened in the back. Um, so my hope was tested this week. Um, and immediately, it's like you feel that deflation come on you, a heaviness, and it was like, nope, I'm not going to walk in that because that's not God. So it was God, you know, you've got to give me the hope, you know, to get through that, and he did. So I was testing it this week. But I want to talk today about Christ in us, the hope of glory. How many know that is like an incredible message? That is the message of the gospel, that the kingdom is here and he's in us. Uh, Colossians 2 talks about the mystery which has been hidden, that has now been manifested. It's called Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you want to put that up on the slide, um, that is the mystery that had been hidden from that point and was revealed in Jesus' time. The mystery was Christ in you, the hope of glory. That was something that they longed to see. You know, is it even possible that Christ could actually come down and dwell with people and be in him and be in us? Well, it is, because that's a mystery that was revealed. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. The hope of glory, the hope of the good news of the gospel manifest in us in our lives. So today I want to make sure that our individual spiritual hope level is filled. You know, how many know when you're driving a car and you can look at the gauges and sometimes, you know, you're, you know, you're on empty, you're on full. It's like sometimes our hope level is like that in our lives. You know, if your hope level is on empty, God wants to infuse you today. If your hope level is on medium, right in the middle, God wants to bring an infusion of hope into your life. And he uses each one of us to do that. You know, if, if there's something you're facing in your life today that you need hope, you know, just raise your hand and join the club. 
right? I'm going to talk about that, that our, our hope is constantly under attack. One of the greatest quotes that I've ever heard comes from Bill Johnson, of course, where he says this, any area of our lives that is not filled with hope is under the influence of a lie. Any area of our life that is not filled with hope is under the influence of a lie. That is such an incredible, deep, rich thought. You know, any area that feels like we're overwhelmed or God is too big for, we're listening to a lie. That's not him. So today, I am passionate to see us filled with hope, infused with hope. The good news is the message that the kingdom of God is here now. Amen? That is the good news. It's not the good news isn't that he was coming back in 2,000 years after he said that. It wasn't really good news for them in the first century. Who cares? The good news is that God, Jesus, came in the flesh and he set up his kingdom on earth and he's reigning. Um, but what are we aiming towards? I always say, what are, we, what are we aiming toward in our life? What are we aiming for? What are we praying for in this world? And when we talk about what the kingdom of God is doing, we see some Old Testament prophets. You know, a lot of Old Testament prophecy has been fulfilled. It was fulfilled in Jesus' time. You know, Isaiah 60, the, 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 Jesus was the light of the world, coming into the world, starting, launching this new kingdom. Uh, but there's some that haven't. In Habakkuk 2.14, it says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Right? We are looking to see that. And we are doing everything in our power on earth to see that happen. That the, on this one, yeah, this is Habakkuk 2.14, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So it is like going to be so tangible one day, and we're moving in that direction, but we're not there yet, right? There's still areas in our world that are not covered by the glory of the Lord. There's areas in our own lives that aren't covered by the glory of the Lord. So we're not there yet. Uh, Isaiah 11:9 says, "For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea." So that's the next slide. Isaiah 11:9. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge, full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is what we're going after, right? This is why Jesus came in the first place, was to reveal God, to reveal the Father, to allow the glory of the Lord to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Not to just throw us on earth and he's going to destroy it and whisk us out of here. No, so that the glory of God could fill the earth, that we could fill the earth, subdue it, and take dominion over the earth and reveal the goodness of God. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died, he resurrected, and he sat down at the right hand of God, and he's been reigning as king since that time. Peter says this in Acts 2. He says that the Lord Jesus sat down at the right hand of God the Father in a position of kingship and lordship. Now he is ruling over the earth through us, the church, right? Through us, the body of Christ, as we learn to advance the kingdom of God and you know, expand the love of God on earth. So when um, everything over which God reigns is the kingdom of God, right? What is the kingdom of God? It's the realm of the king. Wherever the king reigns is the kingdom of God has been brought into that area. So God intends for his kingdom to manifest on earth, and that is how he told us to pray. In Matthew 6.10, he says, this is how you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we pray. We're called to reveal what is happening in the realm of heaven 
in the realm of the king to reveal that on earth, to bring the ways of the kingdom into earth and establish the kingdom of God. How many know that the kingdom of God consists of righteousness, peace, and joy? As we experience God, as we learn about him and we apply his ways to our lives, our lives are to be filled with righteousness and peace and joy. You know, as we're walking on this kingdom path, this, this road of life, our lives become filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. Why am I teaching on this? First, I, I wanted to lay just some foundation on the kingdom of God. But here's the reality, is that our personal hope level is constantly under attack. Anyone feel like that? It's like you could be having a great Sunday, and then Monday you go home and like the car breaks down, or you hear disappointing medical news, or whatever it is. Our hope level, the hope level in our lives, it's not like a real thing, it's a figurative thing, but how many know you kind of have a hope level that you allow to grow or be depleted? It's always under attack. It's under bombardment, like a gauge in our car. Our hope level can go from full to empty with like one piece of news, you know, one discouraging news, right? It's like, oh, the air just came out of my tires, you know. So um, maybe we're dealing with a personal financial crisis or an unexpected bill comes in. It's like, oh, you know that feeling where you're like, oh, geez, everything was going so good, and now I got this I got to deal with, or... You know, you have a health crisis or a challenge, or you turn on the news, and it's like, oh, you were having a great week until you turn the news on and saw about this new shooting or this new whatever. You know, it's our, our hope level is under constant bombardment. I remember uh, a few years ago, a couple years ago, I think uh, maybe two or three years ago, I was in Egypt, and we were doing a, a trip, and we were doing an archaeological tour. One of the things that we were going to do was a hot air balloon ride over the city of Luxor. So it's an ancient city where, like, the Luxor Temple and all this stuff, and we were going to go see it by hot air balloon, which I wasn't really thrilled about because I don't really like the idea of that being up in there. That just seems really, really unnecessary. Um, but you know. So but I said, okay, I'll do it. The whole group's doing it. I'm not going to be the only one who says I'm not doing it. But, so we got up really early. We're like, this is going to be great. You know, see the old city of Luxor, Egypt, you know, like from hot air balloon. That probably wasn't too thrilled about. But we got up at like four in the morning that morning. We went down with our group and we, we got ready and the balloon was supposed to take off at like 6.30 when the winds were at like a good level. And we sat there as a group and watched this team blow up the biggest hot air balloon you could possibly picture in your life. And they were trying to get this thing up off the ground. And it, they, you know, they turn on the, the fuel. It's like whoosh, this fire going up, trying to blow up this huge balloon. It kept like, get up, and then it would tilt over it. It would just flop down on the ground. And I was like, we're all looking at each other. We're like, um, this, I'm not going up in that. You know, this, uh, I was expecting them to get this off the ground. Uh, but for an hour, we sat there and watched them as they're like, they got like 10, 11 people out there. They're trying to hold this thing, and they're getting the fire, blowing this thing up. It would get up, and then it would be the whole thing. So finally, we just all said, okay, you know, we're not putting our lives at risk. This is obviously not going to work today. I think it was too windy, and they couldn't get it. But either way, they couldn't get it inflated. And I remember sitting there watching it and just seeing, like, hope is like the air in our hot air balloon. If it doesn't get into that balloon, that balloon's not going anywhere. Right? You're not having liftoff without the right 
you know, mixture of air and hot air and no wind. And, you know, you can have the most beautiful colored balloon on the planet and it isn't going anywhere if it doesn't have that to get off the ground. And hope, when our hope level gets depleted, you know, I just don't want to do anything, right? It's just like, oh, screw it, you know, I'm frustrated, this happened, this happened, this thing knocked me down. But, you know, we don't do any good laying on the ground, right? We're, right. we're meant to fly. We're meant to That's experience right. God, to bring other people into the kingdom in the same way we are. So we're like that hot air balloon that is not going to go anywhere if it doesn't have an infusion of hope into it to carry it through the things that you're going to encounter in life. Add on to that that pessimism in our culture is very in style. You know, cynicism, pessimism in life, it's like almost celebrated in our culture to be pessimistic. Optimism has been out of style for a while. When you hear someone are optimistic, it's just like, oh, that person's naive. They haven't been around long enough. You know, it's like immediately we want to shoot it down, you know. And, you know, our, our elections are a funny thing, too. Whenever you have them, it's just like both sides want to say how bad everything is, right? Because that's how you galvanize your base, right? This is so bad. Well, only the wealthy few are doing well in our world right now. Or the other side is like, we never win anymore. We never do this. We never, you know, yet we're the, the idol of the world, right? If we're, we're the most incredible country when you look at it and what we have and unemployment and jobs and the picture that we have is amazing. But when we're listening to all of that, we tend to become pessimistic and negative and we lose our hope. So it's important that we identify those voices um, in addition to that, uh, I love this, Americans face what uh, conservative intellectual Yuval Levin calls, quote, a politics of competitive nostalgia, okay? It's like a long term. But a politics of competitive nostalgia demands a return to an idealized past that can never, never be reached because it never existed in the first place, Right? So when we're constantly facing this, we're always wanting to go backwards to something that we can't get to because it was never there in the first place. It wasn't really as good as we have imagined in our lives that it was. The good old days weren't really that good. Um, you know, it's just funny uh, how we, we latch on to certain things. And anybody remember, just for an example on this, back in, I didn't live in the 50s and 60s, but I know there's a few people here who did. I will not call you out and embarrass you. However, if you remember during that time, movies came out on this topic about food shortages, that the world was heading toward a time where it wasn't sustainable. We weren't going to have enough food. Movies came out about that. You know, production of crops and things were, were, it was going to be a disaster. You know, that the world was going to run out of food, and it was going to happen within a few decades. And it was a big theme back in there. A lot of books were written about it. Movies came out on it. And now in 2000, almost 20, we face a glut of worldwide food production. We have so much food pr production uh, that it, it's, you know, it's so competitive in the world. We have more people in our world today that suffer from obesity than existed 75 years ago. I mean, we have the opposite problem. But we always want to be looking toward what the gloom and doom has, and we project that. And then very often we get there and it was like we you know, were in the totally opposite situation. So it's an interesting thing. Author and researcher Greg Easterbrook says this, at every stage in the past, lifespans were shorter, disease was more common, living standards were lower, discrimination and pollution were worse, and liberty was more imperiled. 
researcher. You can read, there's a lot of studies on this. Steven Pinker from Harvard writes extensively on it and many, many others. Um, the reality is in, nobody's saying that we don't have problems today and we don't have some big problems. And we face some big problems in our country and we face some big problems in the world. But overall, our society and our way of life is vastly improved from where it was a thousand years ago. When pa Apostle Paul walked the earth back in the ancient days of Rome, men lived to an average of about 35 to 38 years old. That was the average life expectancy. We're more than double that, you know, a thousand years later. We've had a lot of great advancements. So not saying that we don't have problems, um, but we, we are so, we, we don't have the excuse to be as pessimistic as sometimes we are in our day. Okay, that's what I'm saying. When you look at a painting, you don't go to the painting and go look at it from this far away. It's like, oh, this is a wonderful painting. I see about eight pixels. This is beautiful. It's all black. You know, um, I, you know, I'm not a huge art gallery person. I will admit we were in France in June and I was thrilled that the Louvre was closed because they were all on strike. <laughs> Thankfully, thank God for the French. They're always on strike for something. Even the Louvre workers were on strike. I, what would they have to be striking about? I don't know. But we didn't go into the art gallery. So uh, I've already been there. Joy didn't really want to go. So we were like, okay, fine. We'll miss that whole thing. But I have been there before and you see there are paintings that are the size of a building, right? I mean, you stand back and you look at this painting and you look at the whole thing, you know, and you take it all in. You say, wow, what an incredible use of colors and whatever art people do, they, they say, you know. <laughs> whatever they say, wow, beautiful, I love that. Um, so... But you don't go look at the painting about from one inch away, you know? And I feel like that's what we have to do when we look at what God is doing in the earth, is we don't go and look at the immediate situation we're facing. We take a step back and we look at the whole of what God has been doing. We look at the expansion of the kingdom that started at the time of Jesus and the disciples that went out all over the known world at that point and extended the gospel to, at that point, the far ends of the earth, because that's what they knew. Uh, and the gospel has been spreading, and society has been improving, and our world has been improving since that time. You know, how many notice we have not had a world war in a few generations, a couple generations now. You know, we're, we're in some ways in a better state, in many ways, than we were even 50 years ago. So it's a very interesting thing. I think the kingdom of God, I give a lot of credit for this. I'll talk about it here in a minute. But the whole picture is that the kingdom of God is filling the earth. Christianity is the fastest growing religion in the world. More people are coming to Christ today than at any other time in history. That's a fact. That's very well measured statistics. That's an awesome thing. You know, people talk about, oh, the spread of Islam is so bad. No, the spread of Christianity is far, far greater. You know, there's a few pockets in the world where there's strongholds of Islam. It, Christianity is all over the world and it's growing at a fast rate. So it's awesome. The kingdom of God is the secret ingredient and most important ingredient in the advancement of our world. The kingdom of God. You know, we're like the leaven that goes into the lump of dough that causes the whole thing to rise. The kingdom of God, right? We bring the king with us wherever we're at. We're the leaven that causes the whole thing to rise. You know, it's pretty cool. 
Uh, so the kingdom of God is expanding on earth. And here's the thing, if you're a believer, and let's say you're a medical researcher, you're not there just to be a good witness to your coworkers. You're there to create great cures and use the gifts God's given you to come up with the best cures and to improve the world, to expand society so that we get closer to the place where there's no sickness in heaven, there's no disease, there's no this, and lifespans are increasing. People are able to live better lives. So you're not in the role that you're at just to be a good witness to your coworkers. You're in the role that you're at to expand the kingdom of God and to better the world and better society. It's really cool. You can really feel that like everything you do in life, God is in you, you're in God, God is in you. It's this amazing mystery. We bring him into wherever we're at. If you're in the business world, you're called to make a lot of money so you can bless the world, advance the kingdom of God, knock it out of the park, you know, great, grow a great life for your family. If you're teaching, you obviously have a massive influence that God has given you to bring the kingdom of God and love to the students that you have, to reveal yourself as a loving person, to kids grow up seeing that. What better opportunity can you have than to minister to kids? It's incredible. So the kingdom of God is expanding on earth. So we can be filled with hope in every situation that we encounter, knowing that God is at work. Right? God, it says God is at work in us. He's reigning and he's working through us, the church, right? God is reigning up on his throne. Jesus is reigning in heaven at the right hand, and he is working through each one of us, his church on earth. It's awesome. That's why being a Christian, being a believer, is not boring. It's not a following just a rule book or a set of rules and having a lame life. It's about, no, I have Christ in me. I can bring it to whatever I'm doing. I can bring the wisdom of God into any situation that I have. Our hope is fixed on him in all of this. Our hope is fixed on the king in the expansion of his kingdom. 1 Timothy uh, 1.4 says, We have fixed our hope on the living God who is the savior of all men. Don't let anything rob your hope. Our hope is not fixed on an outcome that we're expecting or we're looking for. Right? Our hope is not fixed on the president. Our hope is not on our political system or our political party. Our hope is not fixed on that. Our hope is not on the economy, even though it's great right now. And, you know, it's so interesting to me, over the last 10 years, I feel even under the last president, people were always ripping on the economy, and I'm like, I'm in business, and everybody I know is hiring and growing, you know, and all I would do is hear negative talk about how bad the economy was, and then it got amplified during our election cycle, um, and people that are out there in the business world are saying, actually, this is great, this business is growing like crazy, I don't know what they're all talking about, everybody we know is hiring, you know, unemployment is at a record low. And we still hear people complaining about how bad the economy is. I, I don't even understand it. But our, our hope is not fixed on our job at the moment. It's not fixed on our financial situation. Our hope is fixed on Jesus and his lordship in my life. That I'm saying, God, yes, my hope is fixed on you in the work that you're doing in me. I know it's going to bring good fruit. Because he is God, he loves me, and he wants me to prosper. That's why I can fix my hope on him, because I am loved by him. He wants the best for us. He's here with us. What else would you want to fix your hope on? There's a really, really good um, 
Well, the parable, how many know of the parable where they came to Jesus, the disciples, and they asked him, should we pay Caesar's tax? Remember that? Should we pay Caesar's tax? And Jesus, once again, just befuddled them. They were coming to trap him with that question because they knew if they asked him and he said, no, don't pay it, he could get arrested, right, for inciting rebellion against Rome. If he said, uh, no, if he said pay the tax, then he was going to really tick off the Jewish nationalists of that day who hated Rome and they don't want to pay the tax. So they knew they were going to set him up for a really difficult question. And then would Jesus come out and say, he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar and to God what is God's. You know, uh, what he was doing there was a few different things. One was he was saying, sure, give to Caesar his thing that he gets and then give to God what is God's. The kingdom of God is a way separate thing than what Caesar is looking for or what our political system is looking for. The kingdom of God is like up here. Everything else is just a sphere in that influence, right? It's just a sphere of influence in our society. Um, The other thing that was really cool about that response was he said, give to Caesar what bears Caesar's image. The coin had his face on it. So sure, give it to Caesar, it bears his image. Those who bear God's image should present themselves to God. Because how many know we are created in the image and the likeness of God? And he was going back to Genesis and talking about the likeness of God that we are created in. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's likeness and give to God who is like God, who is created in his likeness. You know, we're gods. We're the kingdom. We're part of a whole different, whole different level. We're called to influence society, but the kingdom of God is a far superior thing that God is doing on the earth than just our political landscape. The kingdom of God is a whole different level. We're not looking solely to our government to usher in the kingdom of God. Thankfully, okay, we we are not looking to our government to be the sole ushering in of the kingdom of God. I believe we are praying for good, godly men and women to be raised up, to use their authority, to advance the kingdom of God. I'm praying for that. I think we should be active in that. But my hope is not fixed to one person who's in office or to a political party or to any system. The kingdom of God operates on a different, different level. Um, so I want to talk about this in light of that. And this is really, I'm talking about hope, but I want to take a, a little side thing for a second. Um, when we're talking about keeping our hope level, when we're talking about you know, becoming more kingdom-like, more kingdom-minded, demonstrating what is like in the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy, I can look at some signs in my life to see if I'm actually becoming more like Jesus, right? There are some signs that we can look to. Here's the first sign, is am I growing in compassion? Am I growing in compassion? Jesus was an expert level compassion, compassionate person. He walked in incredible compassion. Uh, People would walk right by someone. Jesus would go to the person that they all overstepped, and he'd go to that person. He would look for the down in those who were struggling. He recognized that many people weren't looking for a handout, but they needed a hand up. You know, he was growing in compassion. It's am I growing in compassion? That's one of the things. Or I'm growing. Am I growing hard, or I'm growing, or am I growing in compassion? You know, that's a question we can ask ourselves. The number two, a number second sign. There's a lot of signs. I'm just going to share four. Um, Here's a sign that I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm experiencing more righteousness, peace, and joy in my life. 
Am I experiencing more righteousness, peace, and joy in my life? Or am I experiencing more frustration, more anger, more cynicism, more pessimism that does nothing but keep us stuck? Am I experiencing more righteousness, peace, and joy in my life? That's how we know we're becoming more like him. How about this one? I can love those. Do I love those I can disagree with? Do I have a real heartfelt love for those that I might see something totally different than? Um, You know, I'm on a board for an organization in the city. I've shared it before. It's called the Children's Agenda, and it looks at the children in our our region, and it lobbies Albany for money and for programs that are effective, evidence-based solutions that actually help the children in our community. We have a big poverty problem in the city of Rochester, and it looks at ways to make sure that every kid is growing up with what they need to be successful in life. And I came in bringing a very different viewpoint onto that board than many of them who have been doing that work for many years, because I didn't understand all of the complexities that there are in the city and what it takes in there to grow families and children and the challenges that are faced there. Some of it self-inflicted over many years. But you know what? Kids are being brought up into that environment. They had no say in any of those decisions. So my compassion level has been growing as I have listened and listened to things that I didn't understand before. So can I love those who I disagree with? Can I even find some common ground? Am I able to work with other people? Or do I just have all the answers? Those are things that I had to face over the last several years. Here's another one, the fourth sign. Maintaining the unity of the Spirit is more important than me needing to be right. In a social media society, man, is this a test. Right? I mean, I have failed at this so many times. Um, But that is a sign I'm becoming more like Jesus, that I'm more interested in maintaining the unity of the Spirit than maintaining my need to be right or to look a certain way, you know? Am I able to take a step back and say, you know what, for the good of the whole, for good of what we're doing, you know, I'm just going to kind of stay out of that. (laughs) I don't have anything really great to offer. Are we more interested in maintaining the unity of spirit? Um, So I wanted to share some of that today. In New Hope, we're growing into a more diverse family. We're we're growing into a more multicultural family. We're we're seeing more people. We're going to be reaching out to the neighborhoods around here, even for this fall kickoff. You know, God has said to us, you know, Go to those that are right around you and bring the kingdom of God. You know, I have people I work with that I, you know, I think about that that are in my lives, but we also don't want to forget where God has positioned us. Amen. And we're going to go after some people and just make some invitations even for September as we're getting closer. We're going to be inviting people. People are going to be coming in here that are very different. They might have very different beliefs than us. So it's really important that we have some of this stuff down and we keep this stuff in our hearts. You know, because otherwise we're just going to stay really stuck. You know, and that's that's not that's counter to advancing the kingdom because it's the kingdom's growing. I want to be growing. I want to be moving. You know, so it's a good thing. Um, we can't be the hope of the world if we're not infused with hope. Right? We can't bring and demonstrate the hope of the world if it isn't flowing through us. Because they're like, why would I listen to that person? He's the most grouchy, crotchety person. You know, I don't want to be that. You know, why would I want to listen to him? He's not very hopeful. No, you know, we, we can demonstrate Christ in us, the hope of glory, if, we're be, if we are becoming more like him. Yes. 
We can demonstrate the goodness of God if it's revealed and active in our life, right? Being kingdom-minded is more than just wanting to have a great life. It's about being agents of transformation. You know, each one of us, each one of you who are here today is called to be an agent of transformation wherever you're at, you know? Transformed people transform society, you know? Grouchy people bring grouchiness into society, Right? I want to be those who is a transformed person. I want to transform society and transform other people. Yes. We can look at the early apostles who they went through, they turned the world upside down. It's right? It says it in Acts. Soon afterward, they, sent, they were sent out. It was being said of them that who are these people that are turning the world upside down? Why? They had been immersed with Jesus for years. They were watching. They were listening. They were even being rebuked. He was teaching them. Uh, and then they were ready to be sent out to transform the world. They had spent time with Jesus. They weren't watching Fox News for three years or watching CNN for three years. Uh, some of us need to shut the TV news off and open up our Bible and see what the kingdom looks like in action. You know, we're going to see a lot more of it that way. You know? um, so during those three years, God was dealing with the disciples' hearts he was reorienting them to what the kingdom of God was really like. You know, it was different than what they were expecting to come, and it was, it's a heart thing. The kingdom of God is all about our hearts, right? Having, having open hearts. They were watching him. They were learning how to have a heart relationship with God. They were watching the demonstration of the goodness and the kindness of God. They were watching. They were learning. And then it was time to be sent out. Yep, now you're ready to go make an impact. You go to India, you go to this place, you go to that place. And they were sent out all over the known world. And it says that they were turning the world upside down. Why? Not because they had all agreed on the same beliefs, but because they had been with Jesus. Amen. And they had been influenced by him. They had spent time with him. They had listened to him. They had, read, they had studied. They had you know, immersed themselves in him. Then came the sending out. Now you're ready to go and represent me well, you know. Um, so I, I just felt the Lord was asking some questions of me this week. Are you taking time out of your busy schedule to open up your Bible, hear God speak to you? Are you taking time out of your busy schedule to worship on the way to work and listen to a song? Are you spending time learning and growing in the kingdom of God? That's one of my biggest uh, you know, hopes and pleas for us and one of my tasks from the Lord is to make sure that I'm always prodding us to spend time with him, to get to know him more, yes. to realize that he's good. Um, and I want to keep that very much in front of us. Are, are we able to attend a life group, to, to grow? Are, are you plugged into a life group where you can put roots down with people who can challenge you and you can learn from and you can learn how to disagree, right? Um, and you can do it in a context of people and you can still love each other and maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So my heart today was that maybe today some of us need an infusion of hope you know, an infusion of hope. And it's okay to say sometimes, you know what, you know, I do, you know, I do need one. <laughs> you know, I was just there on Monday. So, um, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is ready to be all that you need. And it might be time to reaffix our hope to him than to something else that we've had our hope attached to. You know, is our hope attached to fixed to him for what we're looking at? Is our hope fixed to him instead of the situation that is overwhelming me today? You know, can I call up just the musicians just to play behind me while we do this? And I just want to take some time, a few minutes, so we can respond 
to God on that. Um, we're called to be infused with hope in the goodness of God. How are we going to bring the hope to the world if we don't have it flowing, coursing through us and through our spiritual veins, right? So that we can impact anybody that we come into contact with. So just stand with me this morning. And I just want to ask, too, there's something really powerful in being honest. And I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if there's anybody out here and you're like, yeah, that's me, you know, I need an infusion of hope in the goodness of God. You might need prayer, so I want to call some of the prayer team members up to come on up. Um, but before you do that, I want to pray for you. And so if there's anybody here that just, yes, I, I need a little course correct today. I need to reaffix my hope, reattach it to him rather than do an outcome or something I'm facing. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's a new situation financially that you've entered into. It's a medical news thing that is overwhelming and wants to derail you, and it seems like a huge thing that you can't do on your own, and you can't do it on your own. We, we need him. So just put your hand up. If that's you, and it's like, yep, I want an infusion of hope today. I want fresh hope. I want to demonstrate the goodness, the kindness of God, the love of God, that when people think and hear my name, Steve Hogan, they think of that guy is filled with hope and he's filled with faith. Not that, oh, he's so grouchy and he's this and that and I can't ever have a conversation with him. So if that's you, put your hand up. Lord, I just bless everybody here this morning. Lord, that this would be, we're called new hope for a reason because we are a beacon of hope and a beacon of light in a world that really needs it. So, Lord, we, we give this to you, and we give you even our weakness and say, I can't do this on my own, and I really have been terrible at this for the last several months or years or whatever. Lord, I need your help. I'm saying this morning that I, I'm humbling myself, and, and I need help. I can't do this on my own. And, Lord, I give you this situation today. Just even give the Lord the situation that's been overwhelming or that's been this big thing that you, you can't see past. We had a, a word this morning from Carol shared that someone had told her some time ago that, oh, you know, there's snakes in the church or there's this and that. And uh, you go to that church, they have this problem or whatever. I don't even know what it was talking about. And she was walking the property this week and she saw a little tiny dead snake over on the side of the new building. And it spoke to her as, okay, we don't have to be afraid of anything. If that's that little tiny dead snake that they saw, that is meaningless. Who even knows what that's talking about? But like that little dead snake, that's our problem that we're overwhelmed with compared to God and to the goodness of God. So Lord, we give you everything today that we're not supposed to carry. We give you, we lay down things at your feet and baggage that we have brought on us that you didn't give us. So I see some of us just taking that thing off your shoulders or off your head and just laying it down at the feet of Jesus. You know, give it over to him. Give it to him. Lord, I pray for a fresh infusion of hope today, that new hope would be known as a place that is filled with people that are full of hope and full of faith. And that I can turn to those people at new hope because they will help me. They're going to give me an encouraging word. They're going to prophesy over my future and prophesy my destiny because I need it. And it's going to change the course of my life. Lord, we want to be those that have an impact in this world and not bog down with all this other stuff that we brought on ourselves. Lighten your people today, Lord. Lighten us, Jesus, in the spirit, Lord, that we can respond quickly to the needs that come before us.
Thanks so much for joining us for this week's message. We pray that you experience God's presence and encouragement, grow in a healthy community, and influence your world. For more information, contact newhopecom.org.